the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, today on Abounding Grace, Pastor Gary Wagner begins his final look at 1 Timothy. We're in chapter 1 and chapter 6 as we begin wrapping up our look at 1 Timothy. Guard the treasure next on Abounding Grace. And again, welcome to Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose, online at reformedheritage.org. We're in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 3 through 11, as well as chapter 6, verses 20 and 21. It's a final look at Paul's admonishment to Timothy and his final thoughts on the matter that he has spent time talking to Timothy about. Guard the treasure. You and I have been given treasure, treasure in Jesus Christ. It is incumbent upon us to guard that treasure. What that looks like is our subject today. Join us. Here's Pastor Gary with today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. We come now to what we could call the grand finale of the first epistle of Timothy. Those last two verses that we read in chapter 6, verses 20 and 21 are not only the conclusion, they are the summary of everything Paul has been saying to Timothy in these six chapters. So let's look very carefully at these because they are of such critical importance to us even today. O Timothy. You see here how much Paul loves loves Timothy. He calls him a son. He calls him a brother. Paul had a great affection for Timothy. He's making this letter very personal. He's addressing Timothy primarily as a preacher, but in addressing Timothy, he is also addressing the entire church. O Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to you. So let's look at those last six words. What has been entrusted to Timothy? That is... Only one word in Greek. It took all of those words to translate one word, and that word literally means deposit. Guard the deposit, Timothy. It is as if Paul is saying to Timothy, God has deposited something into your bank account, and anything God deposits in your bank account is going to be a treasure. So I paraphrase this verse like this. Timothy, guard the treasure that has been entrusted to you by God himself. Now, what is this treasure? Well, have you noticed as we have studied the book of 1 Timothy now for several months, how many times Paul talks about doctrine or instruction, sound words or teaching or the faith? It's over and over. And if you look at 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, there we are left 
not to guess what this treasure is. It says, retain the standards of sound words which you have heard from me in the faith and love which are in Jesus Christ. Guard through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us the treasure which has been entrusted to you. So what is this treasure? This treasure is the body or system of doctrine revealed in Holy Scripture. Now, I've talked a lot about this, but I'm going to give it one more shot before we leave 1 Timothy. Doctrine is not a bad word. The word doctrine means revealed truth. It is something that God has revealed in the Bible that you would never know if God had not revealed it to you. Another word we could use for doctrine is God's interpretation of something. That is what truth is. Truth is God's interpretation of something. And biblical doctrine is God's interpretation of something. Let me give you an example. Here's a biblical phrase. Christ died for our sins according to Scripture. Christ died is a historical fact. For our sins is doctrine. It is God's interpretation of the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. So there's nothing bad about doctrine. In fact, it's absolutely essential because it is revealed truth. It is God's opinion of a thing. Now, I said this is a system, treasure is a system of doctrine. So why is this treasure called a system of doctrine or revealed truth? It is because the treasure is not just a bunch of isolated truths. It's not that you've got all these truths in a bag and you reach down into it and you pull out one and then you think about that for a while. You lay it aside and you pull out another one and you think about that one for a while. It is a system of revealed truth. That is, all of God's truth is related in some way or another to each other. Every doctrine is related to all other doctrines. So it's a great way to build up and strengthen your faith as a Christian to study the various doctrines. But you really begin to grow in your faith and in your knowledge of God when you study the relationship of the doctrines to one another. They are all interrelated. They flow into each other and they flow out of each other. Do you know what the relationship is between regeneration, affectional calling, faith, justification, adoption, sanctification, and glorification? Do you know that the order you put those words in determines whether you believe false doctrine or not? It is the difference between Arminianism and Calvinism. Regeneration, effectual calling, faith, justification, adoption, sanctification, and glorification. Why do we put it in that order and not simply in another order? Well, if I was to actually preach on that today, it would take the rest of the time we have available. But I promise to you, 
You really start growing in your knowledge of the Lord when you learn the relationship of all these various doctrines. What is the relationship of predestination and free will? The Bible says a great deal about both of those doctrines. It doesn't tell us everything. It leaves a few loose ends hanging for us. But it is the doctrines in their system that are important. They are consistent with each other. Predestination and free will don't oppose one another. They are a knit material, not woven material. Woven material like your shirt, if you saw a loose string, you could just pull it out. But that's not what happens with a knit sweater. Because if you start pulling a loose thread on a knit sweater, you're probably going to unravel the whole thing. And that is why scriptural doctrine, and that's the way scriptural doctrine is. It is knit. It is not woven. You have people say, well, I'm a four-point Calvinist, or I'm a three-point Calvinist. Beloved, that is impossible. Because if you deny one point of Calvinism, they are all denied. And if you accept one, you have to accept them all. So the point is, this is a system of doctrine. It is a revealed truth, an interpretation by God of Christ, of life, and of God himself. So bear that in mind now. That is the treasure. And it is a priceless treasure. It is a treasure because it is from God. And he has entrusted this to you and to me to guard it. Now... How do you guard this treasure? The word guard implies a sentinel, someone who keeps watch. He protects what's committed to him. He makes sure of it that it's not lost. Nothing of it is ever compromised. He will guard it with his life. It is the most precious thing he owns, so he will guard it regardless of the cost. So how do you guard the treasure of truth? You guard it by believing it, by embracing it, by loving it, by living by it, by studying it, by continuing to learn from it, what it is and how great it is. You staunchly defend it when you have to, even if you lose friends, but you don't defend it like Christians did in the early 20th century. The war between light and darkness accelerated in this country, and it became ferocious in the early 20th century. Prior to that, this was basically an evangelical or largely a reformed country. Then by the end of the 19th century, and particularly into the early part of the 20th century, people who no longer believed in the authority of the Bible took over places of influence. And they were called modernist back in those days. And those who tried to defend the faith against the modernists were called fundamentalist. And that battle was ferocious. That's when... The modernists who did not believe in the Bible were taking over seminaries and colleges and churches and even our courts, all of those various areas of authority. Woodrow Wilson was raised in a Southern Presbyterian family, very reformed group. 
but he became perhaps the biggest fool of that period as he put into effect many of the planks of the Communist Manifesto during his presidency. That is when things really began changing in the United States. And the fundamentalists, many of whom were very brilliant men, such as Benjamin Warfield and J. Grisham Machen and the like, refuted the modernist. But they also made a very serious mistake that weakened their position and made it easier for the modernist to continue to conquer the United States. They expressed themselves in a series of little books. There were 12 of them called the fundamentals. And that's, of course, where we got the word fundamentalist. Many of the articles in these little books are worth your reading. And they defended courageously the fundamentals of the face against those modernists. But they made a tragic mistake, most of them. They said, let's just guard and protect and defend the essentials of the faith and not worry about the non-essentials that all of us don't agree on. So they fought brilliantly in defense of the virgin birth, Christ's sinful life, his atoning death, the bodily resurrection, and Christ's second physical coming. They fought for those doctrines tooth and nail. All of the other doctrines were considered non Essentials. Now let's not argue about those such as predestination and covenant. Well, they weakened themselves. They surrendered all kinds of elements of thinking and philosophy, saying these things aren't that important. It doesn't really matter what you believe about these. And nature abhors a vacuum. So the modernists ran into these vacuums and filled them with their false doctrines that are still with us today. So don't fall into the trap. You're not really guarding the treasure when you say, I'm going to guard and protect the non-essentials of the faith, but I'll leave the non-essentials of the faith to you to believe whatever you want to believe. That's actually an act of surrender. It's a high-handed and arbitrary way of dealing with Scripture. Can you show me in the Bible which book has a list of the essentials? And which book in the Bible has a list of the non-essentials? Of course not. There's no such list. I'm sure you have heard about garage sales where it said one man's garbage is another man's treasure, right? Well, you can apply that to this. One man's essentials is another man's non-essentials. So the non-essentials get more and more and more attention, and the essentials get less and less and less. It is a high-handed, arbitrary way of dealing with Scripture. All Scripture, it says in Second Timothy, is God-breathed, and all Scripture is profitable. In other words, there's nothing. Nothing in the 66 books of the Bible that is not essential for something. God didn't talk just to hear himself talk. Everything in the Bible is essential to something, beloved. You may not need every doctrine in the Bible to go to heaven, but you better not deal high-handedly with it. You better bow before that authority 
and seek to bring your every thought into captivity to Christ and say, Lord, I want to believe everything in your book. You said everything and it is profitable for me. Some things are essential for this and some things are essential for that. But nothing is non-essential. It says, beloved, it is all profitable. And to the extent that you don't understand or believe or accept or know about a particular doctrine in Scripture, to that extent, you will be deficient as a Christian. To the extent that you don't understand the main point of each book in the Bible, to that extent, you will be deficient as a Christian. Do you know what Jesus' favorite book in the Bible was? It was Deuteronomy. He quotes more from the book of Deuteronomy than any other book in the Old Testament. So I ask you, what do you know about Jesus' favorite book? You see, to the extent we are ignorant of any of the profitable doctrines of Holy Scripture, which is everything, we will be inadequate as Christians. Our worldview, our way of looking at life, our way of behaving, our way of understanding God involves seeking to understand everything in the Bible we can possibly understand and defending it all. Not separating into essentials and then leaving so-called non-essentials for those who go to seminary. That is not only a high-handed way of dealing with the Bible but it also keeps the Bible from accomplishing its purpose in your life. Now, what is the purpose of revealed truth? Is it to make everyone one? To make everyone happy in life? To make everyone happy with each other in one big united Presbyterian church? No, no, no. The purpose of doctrine according to Scripture, listen carefully, is to... Polarize. So the less doctrines we believe, the more doctrines we pay little attention to, there will be more peace and less feuding and fighting. But the truth will not accomplish the purpose it was meant to accomplish, and that is to polarize. There's a verse from Paul in 1 Corinthians that says, The gospel is a savor. The smell, aroma, the taste of life unto life to some. And the savor of death unto death for others. So the purpose of truth is to polarize, to separate people. So when the gospel, the word of God is preached, those who are God's people will love it and bow before it. And those who are not God's people will turn away from it and will be hardened in their hearts. The same gospel that some people love, other people hate. And God meant it to be that way. So we don't try to separate the essentials from the non-essentials in the Bible. Revealed truth cannot be negotiated away, my friends. We say, Lord, all of your word is true, and all of your word is profitable. Every word in this Bible is from you. I cherish every doctrine you teach in the Bible. I cherish the whole system. 
Beloved, guard this treasure that has been entrusted to you. And don't think there are some things that don't need to be guarded. I like what John Calvin said, and some of you probably know this already. Someone asked John Calvin, is your God and your Bible so weak that you have to defend it? And Calvin said, no, but I would be less than a dog if I did not bark when my master is under attack. There's another exhortation here. Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to you, avoiding worldly and empty chatter and the opposing arguments of what is falsely called knowledge. The King James actually refers to it as science, as it's falsely called science. It's really worldly and empty chatter and antithetical arguments to the truth. Now, have you ever heard the naive statement, Christianity and science agree with each other? You know, I heard Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez when she was asked, are you satisfied with Trump's appointment of Mike Pence to head up the uh, coronavirus commission? And she said, No, I I think we should appoint someone that believes in science. Of course, Pence must not believe in science because he doesn't believe in evolution. Pence must not believe in science because he doesn't believe in transgenderism. And he doesn't believe in science, obviously, because he doesn't believe in abortion. Well, understand when someone says... Don't you believe that Christianity and science agree? You must ask, whose science are you talking about? Because science, beloved, is not one big monolithic thing that all science go, scientists go to their Petri dishes and everyone up comes up with the same understanding of what life is. I don't agree with Darwin's science. Do you? So don't naively say that Christianity agrees with science point blank. Say Christianity agrees with that science that is based on the presupposition that God created the world in six days and rested on the seventh day, and that is it. So Paul is saying, Timothy, avoid any falsehood that goes under the title of knowledge. Don't have anything to do with it. It's not really knowledge. It's not really science. It is just worldly and empty chatter and antithetical to the truth. Timothy, don't believe what this fallen world believes about creation, about the human being, about marriage, about sexuality, about God, and about all those other various so-called truths. Don't get sidetracked. Because throughout the history of the church... There will be all kinds of people who present falsehood as truth and knowledge. So, no sooner do you refute one falsehood than another pops up. And then you refute that. And then another pops up. And Paul said it is essential that all these heresies come so that we, are faith, that we might faithfully prove them ourselves to be faithful. Of course, it's a headache. You get tired of the heretics after a while. There's nothing new under the sun, as we know from Ecclesiastes. I can go to heresy after heresy today and show you similar things from 2,000 years ago in the early church. There is nothing new. Yet they keep on coming. 
of course, usually under new names, and we must keep dealing with them. Why? Because we love the truth and we love our children. And that'll bring us to the end of our time today here on Abounding Grace with our teacher and pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. Thank you for joining us today. It's our hope and prayer that we've been able to encourage you in Christ and stimulate your walk in him. To address questions, comments, prayer requests, or concerns, please call or write to us. We'd love to talk with you. 408-866-5607 is our phone number, 408 408- Eight six six five six zero seven. You're also welcome to visit our website. Drop us an email when you do, reformedheritage.org. Real simple, reformedheritage.org. A lot of information there about who we are. We would invite you again to stop by, reformedheritage.org. Or if you're writing to us, the address is PMB, post mailbox, 402. And the address is 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California, 95032. That address can be found on our website, reformedheritage.org, or again, simply call 408-866-5607. Copies of today's program are just $5. Mention today's date, and we'll get a CD out to you. And please remember that we are listener-supported which means when you link arms with us financially, we're able to continue the ministry here on this station. It's a great way to study God's Word together, isn't it? And we'd love to continue to do so. Would you prayerfully consider how God might be leading you to partner with us? We'd love to hear from you. Again, won't you call 408-866-5607 or reformedheritage.org. Sunday services, by the way, if you'd like to join us, are 2 in the afternoon. We're located at Lone Hill Church, 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions can be found at our website, reformedheritage.org. Again, Sunday services are at 2 p.m. Further information can be found again at reformedheritage.org or by calling 408-866-5607. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, God bless. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.